Can you say bless the Lord? All right, all right, just making sure everybody's here and tuned in. Uh, we're uh, over halfway through our series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have today and then just three more weeks in uh, all that we're looking at for this, uh, for this season of time to get into and, and go over and understand together as a church family. Uh, I, I'm uh, more than ever relying on the Lord uh, as we look to his word today. You know, there's, uh, I, we'll say this from time to time, there's things that are taught and there's things that are caught. And uh, I think that God's uh, assignment for me uh, is for us to look at things this morning in a way where they are both taught and caught. Uh, the, the first part of this series, we got into looking at uh, who is Holy Spirit. Uh, then we started moving into looking at uh, what is the work of Holy Spirit in our lives. In these last two weeks, uh, we looked at what is it to walk in the Spirit? What is it to flow with the Spirit? So now for the remainder of our time, we're going to start moving into uh, things that happen out of what we look at today, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit being immersed in the Holy Spirit. And then moving forward, we'll be looking at uh, the gifts of the Spirit and uh, some of the just miraculous, awesome ways that God desires to move in us and through us. And so as we look at this today, you, you know, there's a couple of different uh, goals, a couple of different vantage points. You know, for those of us that have been uh, in Pentecost, in, in Spirit-filled life for years, uh, you know, we, we want to uh, stoke the flame. We want to uh, stay fresh in the Lord. We want to continue uh, to, to move and hunger and press in. And there's others that maybe you're newer to uh, this, this life in the Spirit as far as, you know, the gifts of the Spirit and, you know, this heavenly prayer language. Pastor James is going to talk more about that next week. Uh, maybe there's some that you've come from a denominational background where uh, not only you weren't taught, but maybe they were even resistant. Maybe they were even saying, uh, this isn't for us today. And so we want to dig into the Word of God uh, as our uh, founder, Pastor uh, Pastor Walt, over the years, over the decades, would tell us, hey, people may talk, we may hear things, but what does the Word say? Amen? We want to look at what does the Word say and be just stirred up from the Word of God. Uh, we know that faith grows in our life by hearing the Word of God, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So I want to let you know in advance, we're going to talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit, where it is in the Word, why it's important for us. And then, you know, uh, I'm encouraging our whole church family, everybody watching online. Hey, everybody in the balcony. You up there? All right, all right. Uh, to over this next week, just marinate on this and think on these things so that we come with an expectancy next week because we want to specifically have an altar call uh, for people who are desiring to be filled with the Spirit to come forward and be filled with the Spirit. So prayer folks are already praying, pastors are already praying, uh, and uh, we just want to, uh, so kind of next week is going to get, like I said, more into this whole idea of why tongues. You know, there's another thing that I would say uh, is, I think is an important part of objective for us this morning. You know, uh, to serve God and to live for God, there, uh, God moves unusually. 
and we need to be comfortable amidst unusual. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I, I think church world has learned how to do weird just for the sake of weird. <laughs> That's not what we're looking for. But when Holy Spirit moves and pours out, it, it's going to be unusual. And church family, what we want to look at here today is we need to understand we so desperately need all of the spirit that is available to us. And if that's been true for the church throughout all ages, it is certainly very, very true for us in the hour that we live in. As we are moving further and further down this road of the last days, that we need all that God has for us. So, so my, my goal is for us to not be tripped up by what we haven't experienced before or to even uh, have an expectation that, uh, that, you know, that we don't have a need for this or that baptism in the Holy Spirit is for, you know, those really zealous chandelier swinging Bible thumping Christians. You know, but instead we need to realize that, that this is normal Christianity. I want to encourage us, if we go and we look in the book of Acts, the book of Acts paints the picture of what normal Christianity is to look like throughout all generations. You know, and, and we see just a vibrant, hungry, there's nothing passive about faith. There's nothing spectator about faith as we see it uh, in the Word of God. So, so with that as a little bit of an introduction... Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit. Let's pick up, we're going to look at the book of Acts chapter 1, but uh, the, the context is Jesus has died on the cross, uh, has been in the grave, rose from the dead, and now for 40 days he has spent time uh, with different uh, of the disciples, different of the believers here uh, during that 40-day period of time. And uh, in, in this... Uh, instance in Acts chapter 1, uh, what we see is the last words that Jesus speaks to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. And uh, how many know that, you, you know, most of the time, last words, especially if somebody knows their last words, they're usually not idle. They're usually not wasted words. They're usually very important words. Right, so let, let's take a look here, Acts chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 4 and 5, and then verses 8 to 11. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you, and then if we move out to verse 8, he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So Jesus uh, gives them this command. It wasn't a suggestion. It, it, it was a command. You go and you tarry and you wait until you receive this baptism of power to be my witnesses. So, so let's now go to Acts chapter 2. 
let's look at verses 1 to 13. And, and what I want to show and lay out for us is this understanding is that this baptism in the Holy Spirit is the normal experience for the New Testament church. So let's see, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. This is the Feast of Pentecost, really big deal in, in Jewish culture. So Jerusalem is packed with, with visitors and those that are coming to celebrate. It says, when they heard this sound in verse 6, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each... Uh, each of us hears them in our native language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, those that came from Rome, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? In verse 13, some however made fun of them, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And then Peter goes on and he, and he preaches. He just uh, shares Christ, uh, died, crucified, resurrected. And he's just, he's just preaching the gospel in this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, and he declares, hey, what prophet Joel spoke about... This is what's happening right before your eyes. And in verse 37 to 41, as a result, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So, all right, so tune in, right? Because we're not just taking a, a, a look at history here. He's about to say something that directly relates to you and to me here in 2023 in Tom's River. Amen. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and be baptized in water. Receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Repent of your sin. And the obedient response is water baptism. Uh, and you will receive, here it is, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So repent, become born again. Demonstrate that, show that to the world by being baptized in water, and then you will receive what you see going on around you right now. This endowment of power, this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here it is, verse 39. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
as long as we are in this New Testament age of grace to go preach the gospel to all creation until the whole world hears, there is a gift of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that we can be endued with power to be his witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Any person well-meaning who has said, well, no, that passed away with the, the apostles, this does not say that. God was so careful to make sure that that statement was in his word. This promise, what promise? What did you just say, Peter? This promise that after you are saved and baptized, and again, baptism doesn't save you, but baptism was the normal response to salvation. It was an obedience step right? That, that this promise of this outpouring of power is yours for all generations, for as many as our Lord will call. Can you say amen? amen? It goes on to verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. I'd say that was a pretty good day at church, amen? And 3,000 people added, you know, to the kingdom that day. So in regard to baptism in the Holy Spirit, a couple of initial thoughts for us to begin with. Number one, the gift was intended for every believer. What we just looked at, what we just carefully walked through there, the gift is for every believer. So, hey, Jim, are you saying that if somebody does not receive the baptism in the Spirit, uh, they're, they're not a believer? I'm not saying that at all. Jim, are you saying that they're second-class believer? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that God calls our attention to the fact that he says, I've got something for you to pour out upon you that you're going to need in the hour that you live in. And so we want to say, Lord... I want to go after all that you have for me. Amen? So uh, this is not a one-time thing. Now, it's interesting, as we read in Scripture, we see the principle of, you know, when, when we are born again, it, it, it's what a miracle it is. We become a brand new creature, and the Lord dwells inside of us. Jesus speaks of a well of living water on the inside of us. Every person who says yes to Christ, that free gift of salvation, our sins are washed away, our eternity is now set secure in his hands, and Holy Spirit lives inside us. And there is this well of living water for us to drink from so that we can grow and mature in Christ. Amen. But then Jesus also says, hey, are there any that are thirsty? Come and drink, for out of your belly will flow rivers torrents of living water. The well is on the inside for us to drink of as we live and walk with him. The rivers of living water are to pour out of us so that the Lord can touch the world around us through us. Amen? Amen. So let's take a look some other places here talking about this baptism of the Spirit being uh, the, the normal experience in the New Testament church. Let's go a few chapters out to Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 31. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God boldly. So notice it says here they were praying, the place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What we want to note this morning is that this group that was filled with the Holy Spirit includes the group that was filled with the Holy Spirit a couple of chapters ago in Acts chapter 2. So they were filled, and then a couple chapters later, they were filled. Why is that? Because the, the, the 
idea and the process of being filled with the Spirit is an ongoing thing that we do. It's not a once and done. This gift that is for all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord shall call, as Peter said, is something that we keep drinking from, something that we keep pressing into and that we keep going after in the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. All right. Uh, we go to Acts chapter 8, and this is Philip in Samaria, and he's doing evangelism. There's many miraculous signs. And, uh, and, and God is doing great God stuff among the Samaritans. So it starts off among the Jews. Now we're here among the Samaritans. And let's pick up in verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they... Now, now again, this is something available to the believer, right? Because w- what did we just see there? They went to the new believers. And and let's go on and see. They prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. That is to say, in, in the context of what we've been reading in the book of Acts, that they would receive that gift of the Holy Spirit, that immersion in the Spirit. So they, uh, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So let's just take a pause here and let's also look at how the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens. Well, they're all in one place, they're praying, they're crying out, they're hungering, and it just falls on them. Acts chapter 2. You know, now, uh, then we go to Acts chapter 4, some persecution went on, they're pressing in to God and Holy Spirit just falls on them and the place was shaken. Now we go, go here to, uh, th- this is uh, Acts chapter 8 and the, the uh, apostles, they laid hands and people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. We go to Acts chapter 9, Saul's conversion. And uh, so we know Saul was basically, as far as the church goes, he was a, a terrorist, violently persecuting the church. And the Lord knocks him uh, to the ground and, you know, appears before him. And uh, Saul is now blinded and has this encounter with Jesus. And he's led away. And God calls uh, another faithful believer, uh, uh, Ananias, to go lay hands upon Saul. Saul becomes Paul. Probably most of us know that. Maybe some don't. Saul becomes Paul, writer of three quarters of the New Testament and, you know, this, this champion apostle for Christ. And uh, so uh, God tells Ananias, go pray for Saul, lay hands on him. And it says he did that, that something like scales fell off his eyes and that, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So he believed, he carried away, and then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, now we're seeing the unfolding of the church. It's, it's uh, Holy Spirit being poured out on the Jews. Holy Spirit being poured out on the Samaritans. Now here uh, in, in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is a God-fearing man who is a Gentile. And uh, in Acts chapter 10, let's pick up in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words. So basically, God supernaturally has Peter uh, come over to Cornelius' house and preach the gospel. And so, you know, they're all trying to connect the dots here. God is saying, you do not need to. This was a mystery that was hidden in Christ. So salvation is of the Jews. 
But now God is teaching them, but in that, people don't have to go through the doorway of becoming a Jew to become a Christian. That it's the one new man, that the Gentile church is grafted into the vine, uh, and it is the one new man in Christ. And so this is all unfolding, and, and God's got to show them in a way that is so indisputable that they don't wind up getting in a ditch on what God is unfolding in this plan of salvation in Christ. Everyone tracking with me so far? Amen? All right. So uh, while Peter was still speaking these words, preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The, the, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter, uh, in other words, those that were Jews who became Christians, Jewish Christians, right? Uh, they, um, wait, I lost my spot there. They were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. They were like, what is God doing? This is crazy. This is not what, how we would have said this is unfolding. And God is showing them. And then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. And they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. All right, so that first big point we're taking away, this is for everybody. This gift of the, the immersion, baptism of the Spirit, filling of the Spirit is for everybody. It's different than salvation. It's something that we receive after we say yes to Christ. Now, number two, again, if you're following along in the notes, the Holy Spirit wants to saturate every fiber of our lives. And so, so I, I want to move us forward here on, okay, so, so do I need this? Is this just nice but not necessary? You know, and, and it's interesting, right? The, the, the words that are being used to show us this experience, the word baptism, which, which is, uh, the, the word means to immerse. So baptized in water. But when we're baptized in water, not unless we're accidentally drowning somebody, when we're baptized in water, the water stays on the outside. Amen? I mean, no, it's a better experience to come up out of the water and you don't want to breathe in the water. But yet, we really want to think of baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's very clear that it's much more than that. It is being enveloped the way a person is when they're, they're dunked down in the water, immersed in the water. But we need to think of ourselves more like a sponge. You put a sponge in the water, and, and that water just soaks up into every part of that sponge. Now, here's the thought. If you take that sponge and just kind of drop it in and pull it out real quick, you might start getting some soaking in. But it's different than if you say, I'm just leaving this immersed in this water until this sponge is saturated with water. That's the picture of baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's the picture of stay filled, be being filled, as, as we'll look at, is, is what it commands in Ephesians. So uh, let's go back again, John 7, 37 to 39. Let's go back to this thought where Jesus says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Because this is the result. We are immersed, but we're not immersed to become a reservoir. Right, where we just, just, just hold it all up. But instead, we're immersed so that we become a conduit that these rivers of living water wind up pouring out of us. Can anybody say, man, that's exciting. I love Benjamin last week. He was talking about the adventure of living for God. 
you know, and, and man, I so bear witness with that. God's desire is not for it to be stale and dry and dead and where we're just walking through kind of clueless and useless. But instead, God has given great purpose to us and his great love for us, not only to know him, but then just to be an instrument of him touching and blessing the world around us. It's truly an adventure, right? So Jesus here in John 7, 37, on the last and great day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So I just want to uh, bring out another point that I think is a, a little bit of a, a, a rhema word for us from the Lord, you know, like a kind of like a living, you know, we, we talk about kairos words and kairos. Mo- I think this is a moment word for us. Y- you know, Jesus said, he began this talk about the Holy Spirit by saying, are there any that are thirsty? You know, so he didn't just say, hey, I want to try to convince you that there's this thing that you need. And hopefully, you know, just sort of passively, you'll, you'll receive it and respond to it, right? It's like, no, are you thirsty? Are you hungry? And, and I, I want to be clear here what, what I'm saying, what I'm not saying. We don't receive from God by works. But yet, with that being understood there needs to be an attitude and an inner posture of hunger and thirst for the Lord. And and, and in our American culture, we have to be so careful that we don't get lulled into this, just the, the microwave, have everything how you want it, when you want it right away type of a thing. So I want to be very careful. I want to walk a tightrope as I'm saying this. You know, it's not, man, if I go and spend this time at the altar and I just, I I exert enough effort, God's going to look and say, I better pour the spirit out on this one. You know, that, that, that's not how it's going to work. On the flip side, if our attitude is like, well, I guess I'll go see. And if God wants me to have it, I'll have it. How many know it's not going to work that way either? But instead, we need to have a posture where we say, I'm hungering and I'm thirsting. And then ultimately, how do we receive from the Lord? We receive by faith, which is why we're, we're looking at all these scriptures that are saying baptism in the spirit. It's normal for believers. It's what God wants for us. It's what God wants in every age. We, we see it all over here that this is for us so, so that our faith can get stirred up and rise. But let me just say, you, you know, um, you know I've, I've had different seasons in my life. It's kind of an ongoing thing where I just got to watch so carefully where I'll eat. Uh, and, and so my food and my refreshment is healthy. And then let's just say there's times where it's less than healthy. You know, and I remember early on as I was trying to make some lifestyle changes, you know, I was trying to drink more water. And I don't know if you've ever been in this place, but at the time, uh, just I drank a lot of soda, you know, uh, high C ministry. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, like this is just sugar, so bad for you. But, you know, with, with that being what was on my palate, when somebody would say, well, why don't you have water? My response was, Ew. 
right? I literally had to get the, the processed sugar junk out of the way. You know, same thing with vegetables on the food front. It took a while till I was at the point where I was like, okay, I'll start with vegetables, but where's that 9,000 calorie, thousand island? It's not thousand island, it's thousand calorie is what they really mean, you know? And dip that broccoli in so you can't even taste it, you know? It's because my taste buds were acclimated to what was junk, and so just hear me in that, and in, in, I'm talking about this time and this moment that we're in. Remember this year, the theme of get out the distractions and live on purpose. If we have other things operating as substitute for our spiritual hunger, if we're satisfying our spiritual hunger, you name it what it is, we could put it all in the category of junk beverage or junk food. Then, then we're not going to have an appetite that says, I'm hungry for more of the Lord. Amen? So, so that very well could be as we say, Lord, I'm going to begin to seek over this next week. It might be, Lord, honestly, if I, if I look in the mirror of my heart, I'm not hungry for more of the things of God. And maybe the best takeaway for you today would be, I'm supposed to be hungry for more of God. What do I need to do about that? And, and I tell you, God will work in that. That'll, that'll be something really, really big in our lives, you, you know, if that's the case. So Jesus is saying here, hey, if you're thirsty, come to me and you'll receive this living water. And again, that was cool. That was mentioned as a, you know, prophetic exhortation uh, this morning in worship as well, right? So this idea of being immersed in the spirit, saturated in every fiber, the word to be filled uh, in the Greek is to be entirely imbued permanently saturated, filled, affected, influenced with the Holy Spirit. So that, that, that's a great picture of what we're talking about here. You know, and, and here's another great analogy to look at it. You know, if I was to say, hey, when's the last time you had an iced tea or water, uh, probably nobody in this room would be saying, you know what, I might have taken a drink of something refreshing, maybe it was October? You know, I have to think back, right? No, it's, it was today, and there'll be more today. And so this idea of being saturated and filled, just like, you know, we need to drink water uh, regularly every day, this is the picture that we get in, in what the Lord is trying to show us here. Can you say amen? All right, Let, let's talk about this one more way as far as, so then what does this look like? How do we do it? This is a verse that's being repeated uh, in the series, Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And again, we just said what that word filled means in the original language. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and uh, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. So again, a neat thing that sometimes we don't see in our English translation that we have to dig a little deeper to see in the original languages uh, is this word, be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians. Uh, it's actually a play on words. It doesn't say be filled. It says be being filled. So again, it's this picture of ongoing drinking of the living water. Come on, can you say amen? amen. All right. So, and, and then here's a last thought about, you, you know, understanding takeaways on this too. There really isn't a whole lot of neutral ground when it comes to our walk. We're either yielding to the flesh or yielding to the spirit. But there's not like a neutral spot. 
And, 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 you know, we're all growing, you know, we're all maturing in Christ. But come on, we've all had times where, you know, we've been walking in the Spirit and then some kind of interaction with, with a person. And now we're not walking in the Spirit, we're walking in the flesh. Come on, can you say amen, right? We've done that, you know. And then, um, you, you know, the good news is you can't walk in the Spirit and the flesh at the same time. I don't know about you, but I think that's great news. I love that news. But what can happen, you know, is I'm walking in the spirit and then I get in the flesh. What this must look like in the spirit. And then, then I'm going on with God and now I'm, now I'm walking in the flesh, you know. And just behind the scenes spiritually, we must look like, you know, the, the kids would do that, that uh, um, field, uh, what do they call that, field day, you know, where you would do all the relay races where they'd spin around. They call them dizzy bats. You know, that's what we look like in the spirit. We're going back and forth between the two. So, uh, you know, but the thing is, walking after the Spirit, Spirit, Holy Spirit will work in our lives to where we just continue. And then that, that gravitation toward the flesh uh, will happen less and less. We'll see it when it's happening and we'll, we'll mature and we'll grow in Christ. So let me now, just for the remainder of our time, uh, so, and we already hit on this, so I'm going to move through kind of quickly. So just in, in the booth, um, I'm going to race through some of these scriptures because I want to keep this train of thought of what we're looking at. Uh, let's talk now. So what is the power, um, rather, what is the purpose of the power? So if we realize it's for us for today, God wants his spirit, it's for everybody. God wants his spirit to saturate us. And if we look at it honestly, we're either walking after the spirit or we're walking after the flesh. All right, now what is the purpose of this experience? Well, number one, it's to empower ordinary believers to accomplish extraordinary things. So I'll share, share a quick uh, <laughs> quick little story. Uh, as I've shared many times over the years here, I'm not the most handy guy that you'll meet. You know, uh, so I thought I had something that I thought I could handle well and good, uh, just changing out our blinds at our house. You know, it's a couple screws on a bracket and, you know, just pop them in and, you know, not rocket science here, you know, but, but, uh, but my wife and I, our family, we just moved a couple weeks ago. So this is the previous house. So, you know, it's, it's over 50 years old and, and the wood is like cement. Now my drill, my power drill had died uh, a couple years ago, but I'm like, hey, it's just blinds. It'll be easy. The screw's this big, you know, and I'm there with a screwdriver on the stool trying to, you know, get this bracket hung up into what feels like concrete and I'm losing my joy and it's not working and I'm sweating like crazy, you know, and, you know, and then I'm trying to put extra power in. So now, now the stool is wobbling and you're all getting this, this really not great picture, you know. And finally, I stopped and said, hey, it's time. I put on my shoes. I went down to Lowe's and I picked up a power drill and I went back to the house and in less than two minutes, the blinds were hung. You know, so when we talk about, you know, do I really need, you know, am I second class in my faith? Absolutely not. Am I a second class believer without the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. But it's the difference between try, you having a power drill available to you and you're trying to do something with a screwdriver. You know, it's, it's God saying, I'm calling you to travel across country and we make a decision, do I want to do it with a scooter or do I want to step onto a bullet train and have it rocket me across the country? Come on, can you say amen? amen. I think I'm going to turn my career into car racing. Do I want a four-cylinder or do I want an eight-cylinder? Right? That, that's, that's the picture we want to get. It's an endowment of power. God puts his super on our natural. And, and what's great is it's him, it's not us. 
Amen. All right, so let's go on. So second, second thing here, second purpose to baptism in the Spirit is to engage the lost and to save lives. Amen. And again, pre-baptism in the Holy Spirit, there's a well of water on the inside of us and our life is bearing fruit and people are seeing a changed life and it's a beautiful testimony. And yes, God is absolutely going to work and do beautiful things. But I would say, if we look to last Sunday morning when we had uh, Brother Benjamin Dietrich here, and we were gathered at this altar, there was an anointing where God did things in a few moments, touched things that had been going in people's lives for years. There was a dimension of anointing that was available because there was an immersion in the Holy Spirit that had happened. Come on, can you say amen? And so as we talk in the weeks to come about the, the gifts of the Spirit and the outworkings of, of the gifts of the Spirit, these things all come as, as we are baptized and immersed in the Spirit. So they, this is the, the pathway to having God's power move through our lives. Again, it's as He wills, and it is the beautiful adventure of living for Him. So it starts with us saying, Lord, I'm thirsty. I want more of you. All right, and so, so it's for... Um, you know, words of wisdom and words of knowledge and discerning of spirits. And, and you know, there'll be people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit here where, where God says, I want to heal that person. You lay your hands on them. You know, just, just, it, just incredible things that God will do. There's a dimension of the advance of God's kingdom that happens when the Spirit is poured out that just doesn't happen when the Spirit is not poured out. Come on, can you say amen? That is absolutely true, and that, that's certainly something we can point to Scripture in chapter and verse. And that's why I want, I want to encourage us, you know. I, I mean, for me, I had a faith upbringing that was, uh, nobody said this verbally, but it, it was teaching me, you just spectate in the background, and you throw prayers up to a God who's a gazillion miles away. And then I encountered biblical faith, and it was God's Holy Spirit is poured out on you, and God is working in your midst right now to push back even the, the gravest, most entrenched darkness in our world. He will push it back, and, and he has chosen to do that through his people. That's the way that God works on the earth is through his believing people. So in that, there's going to be times where we're pressing in our, our, our morning worship services. When I, when I said there's part of this message this morning uh, and part of this series that's meant to be time is of the essence. And I got to tell you, my heart is so for newer people who have not experienced Pentecost. You know, and, and, and for us to stop and look back, sometimes... We see God doing supernatural and we miss it because it doesn't look spectacular. Somebody comes forward here and, and gives a word, you know, and just says, I hear God saying. And when we think, well, that's not very spectacular. But there's a person somewhere where God just read their mail. And they're leaving this service completely changed. Right? Come on, can you say Amen. And then there's, you know, uh, you know, talking about heavenly language and talking about tongues. You know, I realize that that's not attractional for the person who's intellectual and stoic. <laughs> you know who was intellectual and stoic? Saul. And God knocked him off his horse. 
and said, you've, you've loved me, you think you're pursuing me, but actually everything you're doing is opposite of what I'm doing, but I'm showing it to you, and now that you're getting to know me, and then, then there became this picture where, you know, Paul says, hey, you know, uh, when we read about him being filled with the Holy Spirit, all it says is he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But later on, Paul testifies in one of the letters, I speak in tongues more than you all. And actually, that gets to our third and last point that we're going to look at here. Uh, and that is that the baptism in the Spirit is to enhance our prayer and communication with God. And Pastor James is going to dig more into onto that next week. And we're going to have uh, an altar call for prayer for infilling of the Holy Spirit. But I just really want to challenge you that unusual does not equal weird. Right. Amen? The world might think that. You know, the, the world might misunderstand uh, a religiously minded stoicism. Hey, I'm not saying let's go and let's just try to be as weird as we could be as if to think that that'll make God do something. But let us be a church family that is absolutely delivered But from, I don't care what this looks like, I'm going to trust God and step out and, re and, and just love him and receive by faith. Can you say amen? amen. I think there's even times where God will test our heart, you know, just to see, are your eyes on me? What are your eyes on? And then in the process, Pastor Ralph is actually going to be sharing this Wednesday, um, you know, a little mini history of Pentecost. And when we look at revival, here's the thing, we can't manufacture it, we can't put it in a box, and we can't say it's going to look like this. Because depending, you know, on different eras, notice what we just read in the book of Acts. On, on one respect, everybody's scratching their head saying, these guys did not, this is modern translation of it, okay? These guys did not go to college and get degrees in other languages, how are they speaking about the wonders of God in my language? But then there was also some behavior that was going on. They were so enthralled in worship that other people looked and said, these guys have to have been drinking. There was such joy. They were dancing. They were shouting. You say, where do you get that out of that? Well, where do you get, you don't have somebody who, you, you, you know, a, a, a fifth grade kid that you find out never went to school and he starts quoting things in Latin, Spanish, and French. You don't turn around and say, ha, that kid's been drinking. <laughs> right? So there, there was enough of a joy and freedom and celebration of who God was that they equated it with drunkenness. So, so I, I just, I so want to encourage us, let us be people that go full throttle after God and what, however that looks. You know, Jonathan Edwards got up in the 1700s for the first great awakening. The dude just read his sermon. You know, that, that'd be like me, you know, walking up and being like, hello church. I am going to tell you now. Now, it probably wasn't that dry, and, but, but my point is, he was not theatrical. He, he was not, he was reading his sermon. And the power of the Holy Spirit was so strong, the anointing was so strong that people were, were so repentant of their sin, they began to cry out. They began to run to the altar. You know, there's other times where people, as they were praying, they would shake under the power and the glory of God. Just like we read in the Bible where it says the glory of God showed up and none were able to stand. There, there will be other times where people would say, I can't even stand up. And then here in the New Testament, every time we see Holy Spirit poured out, we see they spoke in tongues and they magnified God. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. We see people going and laying hands. The, the New Testament experience was devils driven out, people being made whole, uh, people hanging out with angels, God dealing supernaturally, and everybody living in a place responding to what Jesus said that we just read in John. 
any hungry and thirsty, thirsty people, thirsty for God, being, being filled over and over again. Can you say amen? So just one more thought here, you you know, on the, the whole idea, thank God that we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit to pray things that we don't know to pray. And, and, and it'll be explained more in this next week and weeks to come. There are things that we don't know how to pray. You know, but tonight uh, our, our prayer time is for the persecuted church because today is the international day of prayer for the persecuted church. And I'm sure many of you have heard testimonies and stories. I can think of one particular testimony. I want to say it's something that Dutch Sheets shared, uh, Dutch Sheets shared in Guatemala of, uh, of folks that were, um, you know, basically bandits, robbers, went to uh, surround and attack these believers. And somebody is interceding for them. God wakes them up in the middle of the night with a burden. They don't know why. They don't know what. They're starting to pray in the spirit. And then come to find out that that missionary is saying, hey, at that very time, bandits were trying to steal from us and, and take our lives. But we heard testimony from those in the village later on that they ran away because of the big men in white that showed up on the scene. You know, and I'm not sure if that's the exact story, but I know I've heard that particular testimony. I know that one is true. I know another one of a, <clears throat> a woman who was a missionary. Um, I believe this one was in Africa, and she was at sleep, and it was a time when all the men were out of the village. So she was left there vulnerable, and she was considered the, the troublemaker, and so people came in to, uh, to harm her. And there was an intercessor, somebody praying in the spirit for that lady, and those folks were chased off too because there was a God encounter saying, no, no. You're not going to touch them. Amen. I wonder what kind of really cool supernatural stand in the gap God has for us to do, huh? As we're praying for our families, praying for our community, praying for our nation, praying for these ministries and missionaries that we're partnered with. So, hey, why don't you grab your communion as we close here today. I pray that your heart was stirred up. Let me give you one last verse as you're cracking your communion open. Romans 8, 26 to 27, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So here it is in the message. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. Thank God he's given us his precious Holy Spirit. Hey, if you're not able to stand, uh, please feel free to stay seated. But if you're able to stand, would you stand with me as we prepare to take communion together? And, you know, during worship this morning, um, going to do something just a little bit different here today. Um, I felt impressed during worship this morning for, I don't know that we've done this in a while. Uh, If there are any that are here this morning, you know, this whole baptism, immersion in the spirit, living in God's power, all of this, I had mentioned in several different ways, it starts when we're born again. It starts when we give our life to Jesus Christ. Basically, the Bible definition of a Christian uh, we, don't, we don't fix ourselves and then come to God. The understanding is we can't fix ourselves, amen? That we come as we are and we receive this free gift of salvation. That if we believe in our heart that Jesus is who he said he is, that God raised him from the dead, and that we confess and surrender our lives, uh, to confess our sin, that he'll forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we'll be saved. 
So it's confessing him as Lord, giving him the, the permission to sit on the, the throne of our heart, the, the governing of our life. So, you know, with great regularity, we'll put the number up on the screen. If you want to give your heart to Christ, if you want to rededicate your life to him, uh, and, and, and we have people regularly respond and we reach out and, you know, uh, Pastor Tom sends them some information and a letter and, you know, we explain how we can grow in Christ. But I, I want to give an opportunity this morning. If you are here and you belong to Jesus, but you have never made a public profession that he is Lord of your life, I want to invite you to come forward and join me at this altar as, as we take communion. So maybe you'd say, you know what, I prayed, I invited him in my heart, but I don't know that I've ever publicly declared. Water baptism is a public declaration, right? It's, it's, it's saying that we're, we're aligned with him. But if that's you, anywhere around the room, or maybe you are here and you're saying, you know what, I'm not hungry and thirsting. I'm a little backslidden. I want to go on record that I'm rededicating my life to him today. Before we take communion, I want to invite you, step out of your seat. If you're up in the balcony, come on down and just join me up front at the altar here, whoever you are, wherever you are. Maybe there's others who are saying, I never did this before, but I do want to say yes to Jesus today. Then you come forward as well. And, and, and if, if, if I've got this right, there are people here today who uh, I, I'm, I'm talking to you. And so just gonna, we're just going to wait on the Lord. Let, let's just let him minister. Let's let him touch hearts. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Amen. It's good for us to, to every now and then just be able to say, hey, going on record, I'm his. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, man. Awesome. Bless the Lord. Amen. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Who else? Yeah. Glory to God. And, you know, we're, we're not the first church of make you uncomfortable, you know. But uh, everybody who has made some kind of a public declaration at some point, amen. So good. Amen. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if you all have a, a, a different, like a home church that you, you go to or if, if this is it. But for anybody where it's not, just look around. This is family here. This is family. Every person who is membered here has said, Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. Amen. Amen. Let's just give another minute here because, you know what, just believers around, would you just worship the Lord? Just love on him this morning. Thank him for your salvation. This communion that we're taking is our monthly habit to just remember and be reminded of the great price that was paid for our salvation. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else that's going to make your way just want to give another minute? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. All right, why don't we all kind of step in here a little more, just a little more, kind of like a little huddle. And then I'm going to ask just any believers as you feel comfortable, just get out of your chair and just get around these folks, get around us, because this is what it is, all of us doing life together in Christ. Yeah, just kind of huddling up, taking communion together. Praise you, Lord. Maybe you're watching online and you're saying, Jim, I can't get to the front. I'm, I'm looking at you on a screen. 
I'm just going to lead us in a prayer, uh, just a simple prayer. And it's a, a, a prayer, again, whether it's a, a rededication or whether it's for the first time. The Lord hears. He's not a respecter of persons. And he's going to move. And so all around this place, watching online, hey, maybe you're listening and this is weeks and months down the road and you're making a, a declaration today. I, I like to frequently remind all of us of this when we think about the billions of people on planet Earth that when one person says, I'm giving fresh surrender to God today, that the Bible tells us that heaven erupts in a celebration. It's almost mind-blowing, right? Almost unbelievable that 1563 Old Freehold Road in Toms River, New Jersey what's happening here is setting heaven into a celebration because that's how much he loves people that's why we're here amen amen so just in whatever way even if you're just saying yes Lord yes Lord that's me if you want to repeat with me that's fine but just a simple prayer to say Lord you're everything. So I'm just going to lead out. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. Lord, I thank you that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead for my sin, for the sin of the whole world. That I couldn't earn my salvation back to you, but you love me so much that you did for me what I couldn't do. And so I say, I believe Jesus that you are who you said you are. You're the son of God and you died on the cross and you rose from the dead. And I declare you are Lord and savior of my life. Forgive my sin, wash it away and help me by your grace to walk with you now every day moving forward. It's in your precious name that we pray, amen. Amen, with that, let's take communion together. Bless you, Lord. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, hey, uh, one, one final uh, opportunity for us to pray and then we'll dismiss. Thanks, for everybody, for hanging in. So, God, as we looked at this uh, important topic today, you are an awesome God. You are a supernatural God. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And what a precious privilege that we have to live an adventure with you. We pray that over this next week, what we revisited this morning, looking in the book of Acts, recognizing this incredible opportunity that we have to be saturated in your Holy Spirit. Lord, over this next week, help us to consider that. Lord, I, I refer back to earlier in the service where we have been substituting junk food and junk beverage and we would say, honestly, Lord, I've not been thirsty, and I know I should be. Lord, help us live in a way to clear all that stuff out so that we live like Brother Smith Wigglesworth. I am only satisfied with the satisfaction that needs to be satisfied again and again, that we would live in pursuit of you all of our days. And so next week, Lord, when there's an opportunity to be filled with your spirit, we're asking now, God, do something awesome and lasting in each life here. So God, we commit ourselves into your hands. We pray this next week, a week of favor, a week of victory. We pray your covering and your protection just all around on this church family. Let your presence and your peace be in every home. God, just, just 
Bring us further in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.